Hey guys, welcome to this fortnight's episode of the Crypto Catch-Up. Uh, I'm Pav, and with me, new special guest, Mr. Chris Justice. Oh, I'm doing very good. Thanks for having me, Pav. No worries. Bit of a bumper episode, I guess. We know we've had a lot going on lately. So, you know, we did a, a pretty encompassing chat with Tommy and Trader Travis most recently on what happened with the FTX saga. So, look, we promised that this was probably going to be a bit light on that. But look, if we end up talking about plane flights to Argentina, so be it. Um, but to kick it off, Chris, I guess, could you give the listeners a bit of a background? I guess, you know, a little bit about yourself, you know, what you do with business and also just in terms of how you got into crypto. Yeah. So I've been working for SwiftX since about April this year. I'm a product marketer. So I work in between the product and the marketing team to help bring customer insights to the product team to build better products and then help the product team take what they've built and communicate it to marketing so that ultimately it gets in front of you, the listeners and other people out there, and they enjoy what we're doing. Magic. And um, in terms of like getting into crypto, is that were you uh, one of these people that got in a long time ago or are you a recent enter to the fray? It would be surprising for many people to hear that I didn't actually buy my first cryptocurrency until last year, but I have been monitoring it for quite some time. Yeah. So for for the listeners at home here at, at SwiftX, I'm, I'm one of the guys people turn to to find out what's happening in the industry, or I guess I keep my finger on the pulse as, as part of understanding the market. But my my dad was in security at some really, really high levels. And every time I mentioned, you know, cryptocurrency to him or crypto, he'd be like, that's not crypto. This is crypto. And uh, I guess it just it just made me a little hesitant to to jump in in those early days. Yeah, nice. And, you know, being so recent, was your first purchase something like Bitcoin or, or maybe Ethereum? Well, yeah, and then here's, here's the beautiful thing. The first purchase, of course, was Dogecoin. I'm a through and through Australian. Oh, so so very, very good. It was it was the classic hype, you know. I saw Bitcoin rising, and then Elon comes out about Tesla, and I'm like, man, this thing's going to go off. And just got myself prepped, and then sure enough, Doge just kept running. And I guess from there, it was like, all right, I should probably learn a little bit more about this stuff than just a meme coin, and and the rest, I guess, (laughs) is history. Yeah, nice, dude. That's that's awesome. I think you're the first person we've had on that Doge was the first purchase, so you got All that right. to Don. All right, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> but look, before we get too stuck in, I guess the key topics we'll cover today, uh, I'll give our little, I guess, off the top, somewhere the markets are right now, which is, you know, a lot to really say at the moment. But um, there's been some, I guess, key things that we wanted to cover in the last, you know, by the time this podcast airs, so probably a lot has changed. But in the most recent couple of days, uh, we've had an AMA from uh, Crypto.com and Binance. So we'll unpack that for everyone, what was sort of said there. It's been some buzz around Solana, uh, especially about their sort of association with with FTX and Alameda Research and things like that. So we've had some changes in there that we thought we'd like to share with everyone, just some facts and figures that they've presented to everyone about their kind of exposure in that sort of space. And then lastly, just... A little bit of a piece we want to touch on just in terms of the impact on the industry as a whole, uh, as we feel it's a pretty important point to talk about right now, just when it feels like the walls are on fire. And then as soon as the waters are sort of putting the fires out, they just end up in a blazing inferno again. Just going over some of the fundamentals and I guess just breaking up that whole sort of sort of space, you know, venture versus retail versus builders. I think that's a pretty cool thing. We'll just unpack there for a little bit too. But let's, let's kick it off, mate. So Chris, here we'd like to just, I guess, before we sort of kick into the news, just get each other's thoughts on the market. So 
you know, how, how are you feeling right now today about everything? Uh, I regularly get asked this and I think I'm probably the worst person in the office to give uh, sentiment. I'm, I'm super phlegmatic and uh, objective about things. But I think in context, when I look at the market, I go, there are, there's a lot of people scared. There's a lot of uncertainty. But when I take it in context of, you know, where we are in terms of adoption, like globally, it's under 15%. In Australia, it's under 20%. It's all early adopters. And then when you break down the people who have invested, very, very few of them have spent the time to, to really dive in deep. And so for them, it's money, it's an asset, it's an investment. And that is reflected, I guess, in their sentiment, because when things go down, who's going to be happy? Overall, industry, I think this is good. What will it take for the market to turn and for me to probably feel comfortable to jump back in? I guess it's an open question, but I'm very mindful there's a lot of locked up assets and there's a lot of assets unaccounted for, uh, not just with FTX, but with Celsius and three arrows. So I'll be monitoring. But what's very positive is we haven't seen, I guess, a massive sell-off in the context of things. So that's a real big positive for me and for the industry. Yeah, and I know we were talking about a bit earlier. If anything, we've just seen a whole bunch of people just take their assets into offline storage or cold storage, if you would like. I mean, as has been the recommendation when you see the second biggest centralized exchange do what is very hard to honestly describe in a sentence what they've done. And I know that we were chatting about, like, usually when you look at on-chain data like that, the outflows generally represent more of a positive sentiment, really, because people are taking funds off exchanges to sort of store because they're happy with the, you know, the price they acquired it at and they're, they're holding it for long-term sort of storage. And usually when you see massive OTC deals on some exchanges, like, that's one way to track it via the outflows through some of the exchanges. But, I mean, this is, yeah, I mean... You can't really make the same assumption right now, could you? Really, Chris? What do you, what do you think? <laughs> no, you're right. Normally, a lot of assets going off exchanges is a, is a bull signal, right? But I think in this case, it's it's definitely prudent. I'd be very interested to see what the spike on Google searches are for like self-custody wallets or the increase in MetaMask downloads and, uh, and other things show, like actually. that. Yeah, I reckon they would yeah. probably support a lot of people finally kicking into gear. Yeah. And I was also just jokingly saying as an off-the-cuff statement, like what the amount of people that probably accidentally sent that test transaction incorrectly. I wonder if a bunch of small transactions going missing will add up to more supply just being lost. Um, so just another thing to throw out there on the table, because why not? It's a good shout, yeah. really. And, and what, what are your thoughts on the market at the moment? Yeah, it's, it's hard to really say too much more than what we know. And I mean, it feels like we're learning something new every single day. So I'm just, yeah, definitely in a similar boat, just sort of, almost waiting, seeing a little bit. But I mean, I mean, me and Tommy have covered this constantly, like a lot of the fundamentals when we're talking about the strength of the US dollar, bond yields, even things like CPI data, like we saw for the first time most recently with impeccable timing, basically the most positive print and CPI coming under uh, happened very close to this whole FDX saga. So usually what everyone would have been looking at as a trigger signal to put risk on, like we did see in the equities markets, we basically saw the opposite reaction in the crypto market due to this. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to call it Black Swan because, I mean, I don't think it really was one of those. It was just someone just doing something very nefarious. But, you know, we're starting to see on-rich country currencies like the JPY and the AUD run quite strong against the US dollars. So that's always usually a good indication for, again, on-risk assets. So, I mean, it's kind of disappointing to, to sort of see the, the playing conditions that everyone's been waiting to see 
come about just soured by, I guess, what's happening at the moment. And even to see, you know, right now we're seeing Bitcoin react quite nicely off an Elon tweet at a key support level. Like it's still hard to call that, you know, if this is going to be a bit of an inflection or turning point for the market, you know, it's it still feels like there's a lot of, I think the contagion effect is still what sort of scares everyone. You know, everyone's sort of calling for who else was involved with Alameda or, you know, FTX that we don't know about that's currently trying to run the sums and numbers to see if they can stay afloat. You know, that's, I think, still in the back of everyone's mind. So, um, yeah. yeah, look, it's an interesting one. I, th- I think ask, ask me again in two weeks' time and maybe I'll have a different sort of conviction uh, than just I'm not sure right now. Bit, bit of a cop out, but <laughs> oh well. Um, ask you in two weeks' time and you might have a whole Bitcoin. Who knows? Oh, well, I mean, at the moment, no one knows. Yeah, I think it's a good chat too. But look, I think it'd be nice to touch into our first topic, the AMA that we saw from the Crypto.com CEO. So what did we take away from that, Chris? Yeah, well, look, to be honest, it was my first time seeing Chris Marzalek or Marzalek speak, which was, yeah, it was good. I think you, you could definitely see he was quite rattled by what was happening. And for, for context, for anyone who's listening, he, to his credit, he jumped on and offered to do the AMA the day that there was a lot of like rumors circulating on Twitter and, you know, any, any small delay in a withdrawal for whatever reason was being scrutinized. It was, it was quite a pressuring time for him. And you could see that he was carrying that into the AMA, but ultimately he handled himself really well, and I think he spoke to the the points of their company of you know that their their coin Crow is not like FTT. They they don't loan it out and don't use it as collateral. How they treat customer assets. All in all, I think he he did really good to address a lot of the concerns, and I guess that could also be reflected in the the response from Crowcoin jumping twenty percent in the time that he did his AMA. So. It definitely went down well. There you go. That's good to hear. I mean, it'd be the most nerve-wracking thing, I guess, right now, staring down. It's pretty, this is a thing, like you're staring down the whole world, right? Like they have a, a pretty mammoth sort of presence globally. And everyone was quick to jump to conclusions. I know like I was just watching Twitter, like everyone's just trying to pick apart every little single thing. And I think one of the most notable things was one of their hot wallets ran out of Ethereum for gas fees, which, you know, if you've sort of involved in the, the, the crypto space and work at an exchange, that is a possibility from time to time. It can happen. And it's not a the fact that you're illiquid. It's literally you just need more ETH for gas fees. So I thought it was kind of leading into that AMA, like just waiting to see some other crack or fissure show. Like there was nothing else that really popped up. And I know for a fact there would have been thousands of people trying to dig up as much as they could to try and sort of put it in front of the AMA. And yeah, I think it's a positive thing for the industry to know that, you know, just because there's just that one bad apple it doesn't necessarily mean the whole the whole batch is sour. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, like like we were saying before, rightly so, it's encouraged people to, you know, get self-custody wallets and move their coins into self-custody. And I think, you know, that goes all the way back to why Bitcoin was created in the first place, that you don't need to trust a third oh, yeah. party. But yeah, I think all of those were, were positives. I mean, he's, I think he's very aware that everything historically moving forward is going to be heavily scrutinized. I guess that's just a matter of being in an emerging industry. But overall, what what I guess I could say from watching that and also the comments is there's there's a big knowledge gap, I think, in the majority of investors. You know, the simple things like simple misunderstandings around how assets can be handled or treated, you know, in a country. And for example, like here in Australia, 
you can't get insurance on your crypto assets if they're held by a third party. I'm not even sure you can get insurance if you hold them under self-custody purely because there's just a lot of uncertainty in the regulatory no, environment. So yeah. maybe that's one of the positives that'll come out of this, right, is uh, we'll see a speed up and some really good conversations happening at the high levels. Yeah, nice. Yeah, well, it's good to hear it. And I know Binance had a similar AMA. Was there, I guess, a pretty similar sort of vote of confidence coming from that camp as well? Yeah. Have you heard CZ speak before? Or like uh, do a, a presentation or something on stage? I have, but not, nothing memorable I remember in terms of his, his presence. Yeah. I think what was night and day for me was that CZ is very comfortable in front of a camera or uh, speaking to a large audience. He held himself very well and he, he spoke to the points and the concerns of the, the industry mm-hmm. and the market. And uh, I think you can tell he's got his finger on the pulse, not not just in the industry, but what your average consumer thinks. So kudos to him. But really, it was, yeah. it was much of the same. They, they talked to the same points, addressed the key concerns, how they differentiate from FTX, talked about their exposure, but then obviously, which we saw what was a good sign was the the fund that they're putting together for projects that might be affected. So I thought that was a real big positive for a lot of you know projects that might be finding themselves in a bit of a liquidity crisis. Did he talk much about like accessing that fund or what's the criteria or anything like that? No, it was he said it was all still being put together. He said it was his business founder's idea. And uh, since announcing it, he's had quite a few investors reach out to offer to contribute to the fund, but they're still putting together all the requirements. So for me, I think it's a, a real big positive you know, for a lot of those projects. I'm very cautious, though, that uh, you know, whenever a, a project or a company is in trouble and they need help getting out of it, that terms cannot you know, always be favorable. But, you know, for for those, that lifeline, I think is going to be, uh, it's going to be welcome. And and maybe, you know, we, yeah. we'll see that replicated through, um, you know, some other big hitters in the industry who can help out. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. It's good to see, like, again, like the one thing that crypto's always had is a community. So, I mean, that's, that's all there is to really lean on when something like what's played out in the last week has played out, right? Yeah, that's it. You know who's who's here for the right reasons, for sure. Yeah, totally. I guess second to that, one of the big projects really that has taken a massive hit has been Solana. So like we did cover it again in our live coverage of the whole SBF saga, but for those that maybe have Solana in their portfolios or has been watching Solana absolutely plummet at a alarmingly accelerating rate and not able to know why, Solana has very heavy investment from the Alameda Group in association with SBF. Her SBF is most well known initially for tweeting people that he'll gladly buy it off him for $3 back in 2021 uh, when everyone was looking to dump the asset. He, he used a little bit more, bit more colorful language. language. Than that, did he, <laughs> <laughs> he did. Uh, a couple of an expletives that I'll, you know, I'll let everyone sort of look up themselves on Twitter. But uh, I mean, that kind of maybe should have been a bit of a sign of character back then. But anyway, that was the key concern, right? Like this, this uh, foundation that's so heavily built upon the, yeah, I guess the powerhouse that was Alameda uh, and FTX and also having just the whole ecosystem. So Serum, like their decentralized exchange, like all of that basically, you know, coming under that same sort of connotation that it's probably a scam as well. All assets are sort of plummeting, not knowing that they have 
the financial backing because if you know if the VC capital is not there to support the developers and the developers are in a bear market, how can they possibly continue to build? Like that's the overarching theme, I think, what caused I guess a lot of that sort of sell-off. So most notably, it was down in that about the twelve dollar USD range just last night. It's it's since had a bit of a rally and it's coming in good timing, I guess. They've some of the Solana Foundation has came forward uh, and basically said that they did transparently have a million dollars worth of cash or equivalent assets on FTX, which now, just like every other consumer, they're waiting to go through the liquidation process to, I guess, write off their losses or potentially look at what they might be able to reimburse, which you know, at this stage is, is anyone's guess. On top of that, they also had shares uh, in the FTX trading limited company and 3.4 million FTT tokens, as well as 134 million Serum tokens. So the foundation as a whole has been shook and shocked, but what we are seeing again is just, you know, a lot of these core developers that were behind the project to begin with, especially the project Serum, are really rallying. So, you know, the community-led fork is now currently something that they're all working on. So they're looking to basically separate and distance themselves from the parties just mentioned. So, you know, they basically want to ensure the project forks to a point where it can be secure and run on its own, not really have to worry about the past and what happened. So they're looking to move on. They're looking to keep doing what it's, some amazing things. I'm a big fan of the whole Solana ecosystem uh, leading up to this. And uh, to be honest, like I still am, like they've got some of the best community and, you know, sort of innovation going around in the space, in my opinion. But yeah, since that announcement for Project Serum specifically, from the bottom it had to the most recent high, it was it had a 120% rally, but had a massive nice. steep sell-off just to put that out on the table as well. So there's something just to see what to play out at the moment. Like it's definitely an evolving space and you don't know what else is potentially lurking or looming that may prevent them from being able to execute what they want to execute or maybe they pull it off without a hitch. It's going to be, I think that's one to just watch at the moment and just pay a bit of attention to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think think there was a lot of uncertainty with Solana with how, you know, just how much did FTX hold? Like how many, you know, what was the value of their uh, investments? And I think the expectation that everything was just going to be dumped to try and keep FTX afloat definitely rattled the market. Mm. But on top of that, now, I think, as you were mentioning, you know, they, they want to fork, they want to show that they can, you know, they will run independent of him. But I think we're going to see that with a lot of not just projects, but blockchains out there, the ones that can really stand on their own and are not reliant on an exchange or external markets, like the fundamentals of the technology, I think are really going to be tested in this next period. So I guess back to what I'm looking for in the industry, the the ones with a good track record, a good team behind it, and the fundamentals of investing, right? Like due diligence. Mm. Like I think that's going to be really important and really good signs from Solana that they've, uh, I think the tweets were like the overnights that were pulling uh, all the memes coming out about these, you know, they were locking themselves in cages just to program and get this sorted. It's uh, it's a good sign. Yeah, that was hilarious. I saw that last time. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Do not touch developers working or something like that. They're literally <laughs> yeah. in the cage. It was a bit weird. Um, yeah, do not touch developers working. They scare easily. Nice. But mate, I think, you know, lastly, we wanted to touch on something I guess you were quite passionate about sort of highlighting as well, just the overall impact this has had on the industry and you know, just how a lot of the fundamentals really haven't changed. But yeah, did you want to talk to that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. What what I, I guess alluded to a little bit before around, you know, the fundamentals of the projects, but I guess scaling it to really what this industry is. And and to me, I really liked what crypto journalist called Bennett Tomlin said about it. He has a podcast called Crypto Critics Corner kind of got semi-famous because they um, they broke down Luna about a week and a half before it all went bust. And everyone was like, who are these? Like, uh, what are they, Nostradamus? Oh, really? But 
Yeah, it was to a T, really. But they are—they're probably the most cynical guys out there. So you know, it's a good balance amongst all the other the bulls and the fanboys. But you know, he he breaks it down to be like you've got kind of three layers. Right, you've got your your venture capital that are, are driving this. They want to invest and see returns. You've got retail that's jumping in most of the time for a quick buck. And then you've got the builders, the people who, you know, caught the vision of Bitcoin decentralization and, uh, you know, head down, bum up to, to build out the technology in the industry and, and integrate it. And I think when you look at something that's just happened, you know, with the FTX and the Alameda, how that rolls out. And I think venture capital, rightly so, is, is going to learn their lesson very quickly. Like we, I think, wasn't it like the the day after we saw Sequoia just write off their investment in FTX, like two hundred and fifty million or one hundred and fifty million? Yeah, worth? zero dollars, and yeah, without like a second hesitation. Didn't even wait, they just zeroed it straight away. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's interesting in and of itself. Either they knew more than we did, or maybe they suspected something earlier. But I think <laughs> from a, from a venture capital level, like the investment coming in. It's going to be a lot more measured alongside already being in a bear market, which I think we've seen. But then you scale it down to the retail. And I think, you know, for, for people like yourself and me, where we're still here, we're still actively involved, we're seeing it as an opportunity probably to buy in at some really attractive levels. But for the vast majority, you know, that quick buck aspect may not be there. We are seeing small rallies, but it's not a bull market. And we're certainly not seeing, you know, crypto assets respond. And I no. think for, for new investors, there's going to be that extra level of hesitancy. But ultimately, I think that that is a good thing, right? But then I scale it down to that, that final level, the builder layer, and I look at that and I think, you know, that's mostly going to remain unaffected. I think there will be a few projects out there, a few layer twos, maybe layer ones, which are going to reevaluate what they need to do. But Ultimately, I think the people who've been building since the beginning remain unaffected. And they, from what I've seen, they look at something like this, although terrible, they see it as a positive. You know, they see the bad actors, the, the people who were potentially just going to do more damage if they were left, you know, their, their own devices. Like it, it just would have got worse. So for them, they see this ultimately with the silver lining and, and the positive aspects of maybe we see regulation quicker. And the, you know, the due diligence, the research yeah. that goes into that is to a higher degree, like I've really only seen positive things from that layer. So yeah, what would be your thoughts on that matter? Yeah, it's hard to not get bogged down by the negative, but you know, there's got to be something that comes out of this in some positive light. And I, I think the regulation piece has to be it. Like regulation is there for a consumer protection piece. And if the consumer is going to keep investing in crypto and they're going to keep building and innovating, you can't just simply say or go to Panama or go to the Seychelles or go to the Bahamas via Argentina and just keep doing it away from, you know, mainstream soil. It's just not good enough. Like it's just a cop out at this stage. And you know, I think I think it's up to every consumer out there to demand more from their local government. It's something that, you know, if, if it really is a you know, society that sort of works towards and protecting the consumer, then everyone needs to kind of jump up and down and scream about it. Otherwise it probably won't happen. There probably won't be that urgency. And we've seen two big enough instances where there's, again, venture capital, yes, like they take calculated risks, but at the end of the day, there's collateral damage. Like look at Luna alone, the death spiral that occurred. So many people were buying on the way down and didn't understand 
what was happening. Uh, they just thought mm. it was uh, a fire sale. But again, that's an education piece. But at the same time, like there could be regulation to potentially create a little, I guess, a little bit more framework or structure to that. Like be it whatever it be, like that's more of a maybe a bit of a um, isolated case. But something like FTX, if there was more accountability and you know transparency required from exchanges that operate to take the money off of the local, you know, to take money off people, you know, there's got to be some accountability that they they can't give transparency to the people. They can at least be transparent with some sort of body that governs it all. Like that's what it's all about. So I think. If anything, we'll hopefully see this to be hopefully the catalyst that finally kicks that whole sort of conversation off more to actually probably need it to be more than just a conversation, more of a commitment that, you know, even if it's something like in Australia, we see a freeze on international exchanges. Like I was saying, I was saying that to you recently, like I think something like that might just sort of require at least no more entrants coming in to have too many more variables, at least. Like, it's kind of like, well, well, let's contain this where we are and look after the people here. Like, I think that would be a good move. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a hard one. I think even from that builder's perspective, like, it might actually potentially cause a lot of builders operating on current layer one, layer two to actually reevaluate and say, is this where we see ourselves long term, you know, as well? So, um, yeah. might be some project migrations potentially. Just to call it out, a couple of forks happening. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be an interesting space. I think, I think like, in the thing, hopefully, I think. There's some positive that comes out of all of this. That's just the optimist in me, unfortunately. But yeah, it's it's definitely been a rocky couple of months. Yeah, I don't think you can apologize for being an optimist. Uh, <laughs> I think the, the vast majority of people who got into crypto were, were, for, were, were the optimist. But now you make some really good points. I think the the one thing I would I would always say to you know if there is someone in government listening is you know we don't want to have a knee jerk reaction and over regulate and uh, clamp down too hard. As ultimately that's the reason that we you know we've seen these big exchanges go overseas and operate in an environment where. Really, I guess that, that you know they're able to get away with these things for such a long period because the countries which do have the resources, which do have the framework, do have the knowledge to manage it and be engaged, haven't had that the regulation or the certainty for these individuals, these investors and businesses to operate there. So my encouragement would be, and and what I would be you know hoping that our government can do is provide at least some level of certainty around how they're now going to look at it because fairly certain we'll be hearing from them soon. And I say that in terms of the industry, we'll be hearing from them soon. And and then I guess from there, you know, we, we, can, <laughs> we, can, we can move forward. Yeah, nice. And, you know, we can always rely on Elon in the background for a vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were you on a lot online or did you see him jumping into the Twitter spaces? That have been absolutely going off in the last few weeks. No, I miss the, the spaces. Oh man, it's no, I miss. Who, who needs a soap opera when you've got Twitter spaces? I saw the tweet. Yeah, well, he tweeted about Bitcoin. <laughs> I saw the tweet, but I don't know if he just exercised his newfound Twitter powers or if he just jumped into this, you know, ongoing like Twitter space. But he just jumped in, started talking about things, and was like Doge to the moon and. You know, just pumping, pumping some bags. The guy's a loose he's, cannon. I love to see it sometimes. He's uh, he's definitely loving his investment in Twitter, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Seeing the community thrive off of his leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mate, what do you think about um, Do Kwan? Do you reckon he's, he's catching up with SBF somewhere on an island somewhere? <laughs> do you reckon that's what's happening right now? Oh, man, I have no idea what's Let's going speculate. on with that guy. 
Let's speculate. Let's do it. Well, look, he popped up on the that podcast, right? What is it? Uphold? Did you see that? No way. Was he public? A little bit. No. Was that? Yeah. Was that? Yeah. Legit. Legit. So go go look it up. I think the podcast is Uphold or Upheld. He like that podcast. They were doing a live stream. I think it was going for for five or six hours. It was all during the the craziness over the weekend. And um, they reached out or Doquan reached out to them. And then suddenly he's on the podcast and he's chatting and he's popped up out of nowhere. Like crazy. But I mean, between that and then what's the founder of uh, Tron? Like Chun, John Zhu or what's his name? Uh, Justin, Justin Sun. Justin Sun. That's it. Like he laid low because yeah. of like all that stuff that came out, came out about Tron and questions. And then, you know, he's popping his head back up. Yeah. And I feel like it's like. Everyone's like, oh, someone's done worse than us. Let's, you know, reemerge. We're not so bad after all, are we? <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> the kill, man. Yeah, that's wild. It, it was funny to see him pop up during the whole FTT, FTX saga, sort of coming out and saying that he's replacing, uh, offering like token buyback schemes or something like that for FTX users. You know, we actually had like a very interesting revelation too. Like that was potentially because he owns uh, Poloniex. Do you remember? Plonex exchange or yeah yeah i do real old school like one of the og ones but just couldn't keep up basically got squashed the liquidity's not as as high as it used to be but basically justin sun i believe owns that and it was a great opportunity to potentially just create like blacklist a whole bunch of trx and sun and you know Mm. btt tokens on ftx and just reissue them on Poloniex and just create a whole bunch of new users and then I just feel like that was a trick that they missed, unfortunately. It would have been a good move. And I think I, I remember reading somewhere about like the you could short it or long it. I can't remember the details, but ultimately yeah. for a lot of them, it ended up costing them five times as much, which yeah, who knows, you're maybe getting like that's, 10 cents on the dollar. Um, maybe that's better than having yeah. nothing, but <laughs> still like hmm, question marks on that one. Yeah, the, the, the tweets went around. At like SBF going to Argentina and then Caroline, who the ex-CEO or current CEO of Alameda as well. Then it was rumors of going to Dubai. Like, so proper, man. It's good stuff. It'll be a great Netflix series. That's that's what I know. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, I think we've already decided Jonah Hill's going to play SBF, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And uh, the, the same meme was the girl who played Arya from Game of Thrones was going to play Caroline. Damn, it's just crazy. All right. I think that's a wrap. It's been good. It's been good catching up. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Did you enjoyed it, mate? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to uh, chat about some things and share some insights. It's been a crazy... It's been a week yet? feels like it's been a year. Nah. we got to wait till Tuesday, then we've finally made a week. Uh, actually, it is Tuesday today. That's how scrambled my brain is right now. So we see guys. Well, with that, we'll leave it there. So thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, if you like what you hear, please give it a like, give it a share. Catch us at Tapping Into Crypto on Instagram. And yeah, let us know if you've got any questions that have come out from today's chat. Other than that, thanks for coming, Chris. My pleasure. We'll catch you later. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. 
If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.